Hi, I'm Jane Garvey. And I'm Fee Glover. Off Air with Jane and Fee is going live. We are taking to the stage at the amazing Crucible Theatre in Sheffield on Friday the 31st of May. It'll be a night full of surprises. We'll have a special guest, we'll involve you in the audience and we'll embarrass ourselves. You really won't want to miss it. Well, the surprises, we don't yet know what's in it, so it genuinely is a night of surprises. Well, you've surprised me already. Uh, it's not just us. Our live show is part of an exciting new podcast festival called Crossroads wires which is taking place in some really amazing venues across Sheffield from the 31st of May to the 2nd of June. So other podcasters that you'll be able to see include Katie Price, Catherine Ryan, Ramesh Ranganathan and the original Adam Buxton. But there's also a whole host of free fringe events, family shows, surprise acts and after parties that Jane and I haven't yet been invited to. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Head to crosswires.live for tickets and more information. You're listening to The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. Every goal, every game, everywhere. The Times and the Sunday Times. Now with goals. Hello and welcome to The Game, the football podcast from The Times. I'm Gabriel Marcotti. Before we begin, do not forget you can catch the highlights from every single Premier League game before anybody else except, I assume, for those who are actually in the ground, simply by downloading the Times app to your smartphone. This week, I am delighted and excited to be joined by Alison Rudd and Julian Laurence in the studio and down the line from the lovely London borough of Mortlake, we have Matt Dickinson. Navas now. There's Aguero. Oh, yes, that puts the seal on it. 4-2. And Sergio Aguero's hat-trick sends City through to round five. Watford and City. Now, eight. so you're, you're Pellegrini. You decide, all right, it's Watford away. I have a big squad. My reserves are highly paid internationals, all that jazz. And then they go out there and they get spanked and they're 2-0 down at halftime. Um, Pellegrini's fault or... Is it just that it's actually difficult if you're a Lescott or a Richards or a Rodwell and you never play, you get thrown in there and you stink it up? Uh, well, it's always the manager's fault to a small degree. I think, uh, well, to, to some degree, when the team starts as uh, half asleep as they as they clearly did. I mean, the fact is, it was a, a pretty strong team. I mean, enough enough big players in there that you wouldn't, um, you know. I was listening on the radio and you sort of thought, "Blimey, what's what's going on?" But I mean, he had, you know, Yaya Torre playing. Navas, Aguero, you know, Kolarov. So there's, you know, it's not, a, it's not as if you're, um, you know, he sent, he sent out the, the, uh, the kids. Clearly they were lax. Simple as that. And I think Pelle, Pellegrini said it himself, didn't he? he said, um, you can't play football jogging. Uh, and I guess for a team that's chasing four trophies, you get, you're going to have spells where concentration wavers, and it's up to the manager to get on top of it. And the fact, the fact is, you look at that defensive line. It's it's, uh, it's certainly not um, City's strongest. So uh, you know, a team a team that went there with a bit of courage managed to just expose the the, the complacency. Okay, Alison. So, Dico talked about the defensive line right there. The centre backs. You have company who, since the start of the 2012-13 season, has missed uh, uh, more than a third of City's Premier League starts. You have Matija Nastasic, who we love but because uh, we're pretentious, me and Rory, uh, but frankly is still just 20 years old, has also had injuries. 
Beyond that, you get into Martin De Michelis, who was deemed too slow by, by Bayern and is somewhat clunky, although he's done relatively well. You have Lescott, who's out of contract in the summer, and clearly the club don't really rate him enough to have offered him a new contract. You have Dedrick Boyata, who's 23 years old, has been there forever and never plays. You can play Javi Garcia at center half. He's listed at 6'1". I'd be surprised if he really is more than six feet tall, and he's also not a center half, clearly. You can Mika play Richards. You can play Mika Richards, who's played, like, what, two more games for City than you have, Julian, in the last couple yeah. of years? Uh, I mean, so he's got a lot of options, all of them bad. Jack Rodwell, who's always injured and hasn't really played much center half. Yaya Toure, then you create a goal, a hole in midfield. Is this kind of like the, the one thing they sort of overlook that maybe they should get another body in there? They have been over-reliant on company. Well, company's one of those players, I think, that when he's in the lineup, he makes everyone else around him just look 10% better than they actually are. And um, if he's arrested or injured, they I can't think of a game where City have really looked great because they do sort of wobble a bit at the back without him. The whole Pantillimon heart experiment, I think that backfired slightly because I don't really think Pantillimon is in Joe Hart's class. But has it made Joe Hart better? That was the whole point of the experiment. It doesn't seem to have done him any harm. I don't think Joe Hart was that bad to need to be woken up in that way, to be quite honest. Um, but it hasn't, it hasn't backfired and Joe Hart looks fine when he plays. But I just think bringing in Pantillimon and what tends to happen is now that he's bringing in Pantillimon for cup games and so the side is slightly weaker. Now, I know Matt said if you look at the side, you could you can really list some really top names, but it is, it's, it's a sort of, it's sort of listing a bit. It, it looks great going forward. It's almost impossible for City to put someone out that isn't a big name and reliable going forward and dangerous going forward. But I sometimes think maybe if you're going to make changes and prove that you've got the squad that can win four trophies, you need to sew it together differently so that you're, you're, you're resting just the, occasionally the odd player at the back and then the odd, the old player up front rather than making it a, a back line that's a bit doesn't know each other that well hasn't played that often has issues with confidence because they know they're only playing because it's the FA Cup and they think they're supposed to go through easily it's it's a top heavy team and that doesn't always gel well I mean it did, it did in the end because yes your, 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 your fantastic attacking players get you out because City always score more, more goals and I can't think of anyone in the country who at half time didn't say that sounds like a lovely story but City are going to win 5-3 or 6-2 or something like that 4-2 of course it was in the end um, quick word on, on, on Aguero Julian because I, I I know one of these guys I'm sure you know them too those Agent middlemen types. Uh, this is a guy from Argentina. Guero's not his client, but you know, like those people, he's everybody's friend. You might say he's a professional friend, actually. And he said he was very concerned about Aguero because he said, "Well, you know, he had the injury layoff, and he's coming back, and the World Cup's going to be on the back of his mind, and you know, I think he might just, you know, do just enough to win the title in the Champions League." As if I guess the players, the city, are so good that you could yeah. just do just enough. But he's looked really sharp, hasn't he? He has, he has, and to, to be, he also had you know problems in his private life, obviously with his family and everything. But the way he came back after that injury, considering how well Jaco and, and Negredo played as well, what he was not playing, you know, there was that extra pressure of he had to step up straight away, and he obviously scored what, a few seconds after uh, his return, the first game he played. I just think that I don't think there's an argument that he's the most talented of those three up front with Negredo and Jaco. I think he's he's. He's well, the most talented guy in the team. Yeah, yeah, well, in the yeah. team, but especially, you know, even if Jekyll and Negredo have scored a lot Ooh, as well. Is he the most talented guy in Manchester? Ooh. All right, quick answer, quick answer, yes. Julian. Yes, yes, yes. 
yes. <laughs> Dicko? Uh, yeah, go on then. Let's make it a three. I'll tell you one thing. I mean, one thing I just want to say on what we're talking about, the you know, combination of the back line and complacency. I mean, the scary, the, the scary thing is that the, the two players that Pellegrini clearly thought were most um, responsible for, for uh, the wretched first half were Richards and Rodwell, who the two players who should have absolutely the most to prove in a game like that. No, I mean, it, be these fair. Are two, these are two guys who have got, you know, they've they got a rare chance to, to say, look, you know, here I am, I'm going to play out my skin, and here I'm going to make myself undroppable. I mean, Richards has got a colossal regard for his own abilities, which seems based on um, scant um, evidence, yeah, over, overconfidence beyond, beyond belief. And Rodwell has been unlucky with injuries, but I mean, the fact that he's being hooked at half-time in a game like that, um, I mean, those, both those players, I assume, are pretty embarrassed by that. I mean, just just to, uh, to come back on the defensive line. To be fair, this is a team that is built to attack. It's not a team that is built to defend. They will always be unbalanced because they think too much about attacking. They will always be exposed at the back. Even when Yaya Toure plays with Fernandinho, Yaya Toure doesn't think about defending much. To be honest, he always thinks about going forward. So they will. They will all, even with company nostalgia. Even if they had uh, PK and and you know the two best centre halves in in the world, they will still I think consider a lot of chances and goals because they're made to attack more than defend. I find it hilarious that you talk about the best centre half of the world. I was looking, and you and, and you, like, you don't mention the guy who plays for the team you support. I know, because um, after then, then you would say that I was biased anyway on Chagos. To, to, to be fair to Rodwell and Richards, I'm assuming Dicko, you don't believe Pellegrini's explanation that he actually hooked them because they were just coming back from injury and he wanted to ease them in. Well, I thought I'd read that he said he wanted to take off all 11 players at half-time. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, word, on, word on Watford, obviously last season they, they go and they, um, they, they come so close, they, they lose in the playoffs. They've got this, this model set up with uh, their owner owns Granada and uh, Udinese as well. They have access to a large pool of players. They can't take them all on loan like they did in the past, which seemed to upset a lot of people. Do you see them challenging for playoffs this year? And, and what do you make of sort of the, the, the transition um, that happens? You know, how do you build from one season to the next when you inevitably are going to change four or five players? The championship's not a great um, division this year. I've seen quite a, quite a lot of it um, uh, recent weeks, watching quite a few games down at Loftus Road for various reasons I won't bore you with, but it's not a great league. So if you're, if you're down in 15th in that division, then um, some, something's wrong. I mean, I was looking at their results, and you, know, you can't judge a guy after eight-odd eight games, um, but the fact is they're not, you know, they're not picking up much. I think it's a couple of wins in about the last 15 or something. There's not been the, the instant uplift they may have hoped. It's understandable, I guess, Italian owners... The amount of Italian players that they they went for an Italian manager, but um, quite quite where Watford are going, quite what the whole um, whether the whole structure, the whole system that they set up there, which was obviously compromised by the restriction on the the, the number of loans they could bring in from Italy, um, whether this is all going to pay off in the end, this um, this grand experiment um, run from Italy is um, far far from far from yet to see, far from easy to see. So. Uh, Dicko, since I'm feeling pedantic today for a change, I would like to point out that they only had two Italian players in the starting 11. Forestieri and Batocchio are plastic Italians. They're Argentines who have Italian passwords for, uh, sorry, passports uh, for um, for football purposes. And Marco Cassetti, who came on, I believe, is older than you are. 
But you know what I mean. This is all. I mean, this is all. <laughs> no, I'm this is all. Uh, this is. A, this, yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's, it's it's been it's been a fascinating experiment, but um, and at at, at at times showed a lot of promise. But um, that 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 promise, if I was a Watford fan, it'd be, it'd be pretty hard to be seeing the uh, the the forward momentum at the moment. Opportunity here for Oscar. David Luiz makes the decoy run. It is Oscar, and it is absolutely brilliant. One out of the top draw and into the top corner for Oscar. The man that Mourinho preferred to Juan Mata. And he's completely vindicated that this season. On to the other exciting FA Cup game. Um, I, I, I'm sorry. Can we just take a little side note? I, I know that if you have a competition like the FA Cup, it's down to the draw. And if Kidderminster Harriers had pulled off a result or Bournemouth, you know, we'd all be excited. I just wonder, in this, the, the current football climate... Has anybody missed sort of league football this weekend? I do. My, my, my hand is up. Nobody? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, See? Yeah. See, even the English people. There you go. <laughs> Chelsea and Stoke. So, Chelsea, I, I, if anybody disagrees with me, uh, please jump in and then we can go and have a debate about it. But um, Oscar scores a great goal. Stoke report. Chelsea could have scored four or five. There wasn't really much else to say about this game. Anybody else have anything else they want to say about this game? Yeah, why didn't they play Charlie Adam from the start? That was a bit of a All right, let's have a debate about Charlie Adam. <laughs> <laughs> Dicko, you can answer that question. I'll, I'll let, let Alison try and, um, well, explain the inexplicable. My kids say to me, why are you obsessed with Charlie Adam, Mum? I, I, well, I really like Charlie Adam. Anyway, if he was in my team and I was Stoke manager, I, w- I, d- I do not see why you'd bring him on with just a few minutes remaining. And then he looked the classiest player on the Stoke team. Really odd. You bring him on because he might be able to deliver a set piece or something. Too. Yeah, he should be on from the start. But he's slow and not particularly athletic, and they don't want to tire him out in the FA Cup because they feel like they need him in the Premier League. I'm just wearing my Mark Hughes hat. I'm assuming that's why. That sounds plausible? No? It's 1-0. Yeah. It's 1-0. They've already beaten Chelsea once this season. I don't know. A bit more adventure. I mean, this is partly why we all put our hands up, Gab, when you said anyone missed the league. It's, it's, because of, it's because of games like that at the bridge, where Chelsea won almost without trying very hard, and Stoke looked like they were just joining the dots. And, and really, if you come out of a game and you're a Premier League manager and you say, you're, more or less what Mark Hughes said was, I'm just sort of happy that we didn't get trounced. I don't, I don't, that isn't what football's about. That's not why you pay money to go and watch football. It's have Charlie Adam on the whole time and, and go for it. Have a laugh. Jeez. Yeah, I think there's a broader argument uh, to be made about the imbalance between the haves and have-nots in basically every single European league and how we're, we're, we're close to setting points totals or have set points totals virtually everywhere in the last few years. And that's down to not just... Julian's friends at, at PSG, but also also a bunch of other factors like the, the Champions League market pool and a whole bunch of other issues, which unfortunately we can't get to now because they're not on the running order, but I think are relevant. And at some point, yes, but everybody knows if you don't try, if you don't try hard enough, you're more likely to get injured. You're more, you, things are more likely to go wrong if you don't play in your normal game. It's 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 not. It's not, it, it doesn't. I don't think that's true at all. I think that's one of those myths. I think it's one of those myths that people say that oh, if you don't try hard, you're more likely to get injured. No. If you don't try hard, if you, you know, says who? I don't know if there's any science behind it. I think it's just something football people keep repeating over and over again. I've seen it. I've seen it. There you go. A word on, obviously, Nemanja Matic made his debut, and, uh, and Mohamed Salah is now a Chelsea player, ostensibly uh, replacing Mata. Is that right, Dicko? Uh, well, In the I rotation, they, anyway. He's, he's, we, we all know the Chelsea system, how, how it's working, and, and the fact is, I guess, with selling Mata, Mourinho wanted sort of 
basically five for three places, isn't it? The, the, the line of three behind the striker. Um, you know, I think five five for three is is probably pretty reasonable there. And he's he matter wasn't getting the games. Um, Mourinho, you know, word has it that he didn't like the work he was doing off the ball and not doing enough of the. Um, the hard graft. I mean, it's been fascinating going down to Chelsea and where we get to sit right near the bench and you never see Mourinho more animated than when Willian or Hazard runs back 50 yards to make a tackle. It's like it's all his dreams of Mourinho's dreams have come true by the fact that he's made these, you know, two, um, two players sort of buy, buy into um, that work ethic. And um, I mean, I've seen Salah, um, watched, was watching some tapes, looks a high intensity player, uh, obviously got speed, He's a left winger that likes to cut in from the right. Um, you can see him fitting into that that line of, of of three and offering something you know slightly different, maybe from um, from the ones they've already got. So, no, I think if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd be uh, I'd be looking forward to seeing him play. He's got good feet. Looks like he could uh, he could lift the crowd. Now, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne. Also, this is weird. It kind of went under the radar, like because I guess maybe because people don't know who he is because they've hardly seen him at Chelsea shirt. They managed to sell Kevin De Bruyne for a huge amount of money. Crazy. What was it? Was it 18 million euros yeah, or something like that? Something like that. Um, Probably, yeah, 20 with bonuses or something. Yeah, not suggesting he's a bad player, but for a guy who hasn't played for six months, uh, you wonder uh, who's running uh, Wolfsburg. If I have an idea, but <laughs> we can't go there. So, um, but Victor Moses is the other guy who's still a Chelsea player. Uh, he's on loan at Liverpool, and he's also not getting much playing time. Should they bring him back so that they can have a nice balanced six guys for, for three places and Moses can become the, the De Bruyne? Six is a bit too many, isn't it? I think five, like Dico said, is probably the right right amount. I mean, Salah has all the pace that Mata, for example, didn't have and, and hence the... Right, but, but Salah's been playing in Switzerland. I mean, I'm just wondering yeah. if, if you need to... But you saw him in the Champions League and you clearly saw that he was clearly good enough for much better than just Basel and the Swiss League, which, no offence to the Swiss League, but it's, you know. And, 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 and that's what I think is, one, is exciting. Two, he can fit perfectly in that, the team, the way Chelsea are playing in the Mourinho. I think he will give everything, like Tico said, to trail back and help his full-back and all of that. And I just think it made perfect sense for them to go for him to replace Matt. Oh. So, great. So, Alison, do, do you want Victor Moses to stay at Liverpool, make the deal permanent? Uh, or do you want him banished from your site? There's some he hasn't kicked on. I just I just feel he's become a peripheral figure. I can't see him getting back in the Chelsea team, no. That it's would just good seem enough. ridiculous. He's, he's a Wigan player. Yeah, he was great all right, at Wigan. All right, all right. Dicko, you get the final word on Victor Moses before we move on. I think these people are being a little bit uncharitable <laughs> towards the guy. Uh well, he's not when, when he's been given a chance for Chelsea, he's not um yeah. Well, I, Liverpool. I yeah, it just doesn't seem. To, doesn't seem. To, I mean, he's one of those players. Occasionally, just looked. It looked a little bit uncertain about sort of, you know, why he's there and and who wants him. And maybe maybe that's not a not that uh, understandable. Um, surprising, given that the uh, amount of chopping and changing of Chelsea managers is, is easy for a sort of some players to get um, to get lost amid it all. I mean, Matic maybe is a, another example of that. You know, he's a guy who's bought um, and sold the first time without ever really getting a proper chance. I mean, I guess at that time they had um, Essien and Lampard as, as the main two in midfield and for a young player coming in to not force his way in is no disgrace, I guess, but um, the fact that they bought him back for 20-odd million euros more than they sold him for um, is uh, is interesting. But I, I, again, I, Mourinho tends to get his targets spot on and I think you can you can instantly see why he's gone for him and how he can fit into that team. I mean, he's they're generally a short team. Mourinho likes powerful teams, and he's a big, 
a big, powerful guy. So, say Mourinho, with Mourinho, you can at least see the sense of all these signings. All right, enough Mikel, enough FA Cup. Let's move on and talk some Manchester United. So, well, they reached an agreement to sign Juan Mata for £37 million last Wednesday. Juan Mata, who we know isn't particularly quick, it takes him uh, uh, four days to actually get to Manchester and, uh, and be unveiled, and he has to go by helicopter. Actually, no, can you just explain... <laughs> Dicko, because you, yeah, we're going to get into it. You wrote a story today. You, you have some, some wonderful um, uh, information uh, on sort of the anatomy of this deal. Can you explain to me why they couldn't just announce the Mata deal after the New York Stock Exchange closed on Wednesday? Uh, there was a few sort of hit, hitches in it. I mean, uh, I mean, the most interesting thing, I think, that probably came out of um, some conversations yesterday was the fact that the, the two clubs never actually communicated directly. Bruce Buck never spoke to Ed Woodward or you know, Moyes never spoke to Mourinho. I mean, it was all done by intermediaries. Wait, uh, so Michael Emanalo spoke to nobody? Michael Emanalo, well, <laughs> but not one, uh, not one player spoke to, uh, not one, uh, say, representative spoke to another. Um, they use fax machines, don't they, in transfers. That's all, yes. they're, all they're allowed to, not emails. Um, no, but basically it's all done through lawyers, agents, and that's partly because United just felt that if they sort of engaged in dialogue, that um, the first thing that would be mentioned would be Rooney. Um, they wanted to keep it at arm's length. And they could do that because Mata had a piece of paper from Chelsea which said that uh, he could leave for 45 million euros. That bit of paper originally said, for anyone except Manchester United. Mata went back and, and got a verbal agreement that um, uh, he could actually, in the end, go anywhere. So there was a set effectively a sort of buyout clause and, and so that enabled it to, 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 to take place without numerous um, conversations about how much they were going to pay or how it was going to be done. There was a delay because there was a little squabble over when the medical was going to be done, whether it was going to be done before the fee was agreed, whether it was going to be done after, whether it was going to be done before personal terms had been agreed. There was just a, a bit of a, a set to over that but um, anyway it was, it, was, it was one of those transfers because of that 45 million euros that was... Um, Probably, probably simpler than most, actually. Uh, Julian, now, is this a sign of strength, negotiating a deal of this magnitude and saying, well, but we don't really... Because you can read this like this. I'm not saying it's a correct way to read it. I am such a rubbish negotiator that if I go into that room with that man, whether or woman in Marina's case, because I'm assuming she actually did a lot of the negotiation, she might uns- upset me and unsettle me by talking about Wayne Rooney. It'll be like a trigger, and then I'm going to lose my cool, and then I might do something silly like sell Wayne Rooney or, or, or not sign Mata. And so I'm going to do it all. We're going to do it all at arm's length. We're just going to email each other, and I'm just going to have my, my army of, of, of lawyers here, Morris Watkins' friends, and they're going to go through everything, and we'll do it that way. Can you not read this as a sign of, like, what the hell? What? <laughs> it's a bit weird. Maybe it's the new thing to... Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the Environment Editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions... These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs, and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. The transfer, or, maybe Nasser Al-Khalifi and PSG will, will 
don't have any intention to speak to Mike Ashley because maybe they, they wouldn't understand the Cockney accent anyway but maybe they just think let's do it without talking as well maybe it's the new sort of the new trend but no, is, is it it that Edward, isn't that Woodward was so rubbish in the summer that maybe he said like alright let me try a different approach that, yeah. let me just, just stay here in my little bar I mean, seriously hey Dicko <laughs> I, am, is, am I wrong here well, I can see you. Know, I, I can see, I can see um, the twist you're putting on it, but I think. And why would they tell you? What, I mean, no, you, <laughs> well, because I think I think partly they. I mean, I, I'm assuming, Sorry, I don't want to, I want you to give away whether it's them who told well, you think, or Chelsea well, who told well, you. But I'm assuming it's, it's true. Know, I mean, I think if people can, um, shall we say, read between the lines of who who's been briefing. I mean, I think the fact is that United, um, you know, had a reputation as one of the worst. Um, Clubs for transparency and and, and access. Um, I think, um, shall we say, a new regime are looking to to, to counter that. They're looking to show, uh, to engage um, more with fans and with with media, which you know generally has to be welcomed. I think this was a club record deal, and I think you know there's a lot of fascination in it. And I think I was speaking to Manchester United a lot last week because we understood that Kia Jurabjian was involved and. The minute you mention his name, that sets off all kinds of alarms and all, all sorts of, shall we say, concerns. And and I think United on this one felt that, look, there's there's a interesting sort of story behind it, and it's fascinating for us to hear this detail. And I think they hope that it it just shows how they how they handle it and how they think how they got a coup of a top player. That that obviously can be argued all day long as to whether he's the right signing for the right price. But I think, you know, rather than have all that sort of murk do the rounds of did Kia Direction do it, didn't he, who was paid for what, what, you know, what went on, they thought let's just, let's just be pretty transparent about what, uh, what exactly happened. I think uh, given the morale is, is at, well, it's, it's lowest for a decade, I think given that Moyes, um, Moyes needs help, I think given that there are questions over you know, every aspect at United, from Woodward's competence down to the manager's competence. I think it's a price that they were happy to pay, um, taking all that into account. I mean, my bigger issue is just just how it's going to work on the pitch. I mean, yeah. when Van Persie is back, Rooney's number 10, Mata has played left and right for Chelsea, he can do that again, but just quite quite whether, um, you know, how and whether he fits into into their system, I think he'll be a good player for them. But whether he'll be better than that, I think you know will we'll, we'll have to be seen. I think, but whether that's cost them an extra five or ten million euros, um, I don't think they've spent any time worrying about. Given that um, you know just what what a boost to morale it is at a, a particularly delicate time of the season. Alison, yeah, I want to ask you about this because I mean I think Matt alluded to it there. I mean Matt, of course, can play wide. He's done it for Spain, but. Generally, when he's played wide, he's done it on a team that was based on possession and, and short passing. And, you know, we saw a little bit of the way Rafa Benitez played and, and, and so on at, at Chelsea. Moyes has never played that way. Mourinho doesn't play that way. Generally, the system calls for harder working wingers. That's why we've seen so much of Young and Valencia. So what do you make of this? Because it seems to me that they either need to change their philosophy a little bit, or Moyes needs to change his philosophy a little bit, or they'll need to change the system, go 4-3-1-2 or a Christmas tree or whatever if they ever want to accommodate that front three of, of Van Persie, Matt and Rooney. Yeah, well, I mean, th- that's the, the issue. Do they, in the short term, build the team around one matter, which, for obvious reasons, would be fraught with difficulty? I, d- I doubt Moyes is going to be able to bring in enough new players to create a whole new philosophy and style of playing 
join well, this transfer window. You can just coach the players window. you have differently. So you, know, you, you don't, you so don't, you don't need to bring in a whole bunch of. This well, is what so, you so, so you, so you've got, you've got what you've got. You stick one matter in. I would think the simplest solution <laughs> is to is to assume that one of Van Persie and Rooney are going to be out of the team for, you know, intermittent chunks of the, the season. You know, how, how often are we going? Are they both going to be fully fit? And so you've got one matter playing behind, playing behind one of them, playing behind one of them. Hope. That's the short term. <laughs> you, can't the short hope term. On, you can't hope on them. One of them being injured. <laughs> until, please, let's try to get an injury from. <laughs> so, so I don't have to make a tough decision. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. That is the short. That is the short okay, term. Okay, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I think this goes back to the same thing. We all really like David Moyes. I probably like him more than all of you, but everything you people say makes the guy seem like. Well, like he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, I, he, I, he bought the opportunity. He didn't buy the players he needed. There's, there's far more players they need in that team than someone like Mata with Mata's profile. And like you said, where is he going to play? The best thing would probably be that Christmas tree with him and Rooney behind Van Persie. But then you don't have wingers, right? And and you don't have three proper uh, yeah. three <laughs> defensive <laughs> midfielders that you could play behind them as that, well. So that's the absurdity of this. This is the point. If you go four three one two or you go Christmas tree, right? You need three central midfielders for it. What is United's have. biggest weakness? Central midfield. On top of that, they have about a billion wingers on this team, right? Zaha, who's probably going to move, and Young, and Valencia, and Yanazai, and Nani, and Kagawa, who now has, has to be a winger because you know, there will be no space for him in the hole. What the hell are you going to do with those guys, right? Yeah, well, I think that's... Did they answer that's any of these questions? <laughs> when you no, but well, I think that's, that, that's probably the biggest question mark about, about Moises. They said, when Matt asked, they said, look at the helicopter, look at the helicopter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and none of, us, none of us actually can see the, the, the team he's working to. I mean, that is the one advantage of... I mean, we might not like the um, Mourinho blueprint. It's clearly not to everyone's taste, but yeah, there's, no, there's no doubt, not even the slightest smidgen of doubt of, of, of the blueprint, that, you know, the template of team he wants. Um, and with Moyes... That's not to say he doesn't have one, but we can't see it at the moment. We can't, you know, we can't even glimpse it through the fog at the moment. And that's, you know, that's that's part of of his challenge, isn't it? Is to um, to actually some somehow from this. And I, I don't think we'll even see it well for another six months because obviously they're they're scouting. Yeah, they they uh, swarmed all over La Liga a few weekends ago. This weekend it was the Bundesliga. Um, looking at you know, many, many more targets, we're talking about another four or five, you know, proper first-team signings. At the moment, um, we can't even begin to envisage what the Man United starting eleven is going to look like next August. Now, there's lots of stories in the paper today about, and I guess this is also part of uh, uh, Manchester United's glasnost here. Not only is Wayne Rooney going to get a new contract, one which could pay him, you know, as much as three hundred grand a week, which sounds like a lot of money. In fact, it's um, a pittance compared to what. Lionel Messi earns, but uh, hey, that's a, that's another issue. But this idea that they have involved Wayne Rooney a little bit in their transfer strategy, they've told them, look, we're thinking of signing this guy, what do you think, we're going to sign the other guy, and they made it seem as if this is some kind of revolutionary thing. Am I stupid, Dicko, for thinking that you're a freaking idiot of a football club if you don't do this? Well, if you sign, if you get If you don't involve your star players in contract negotiations, you tell them what your plans are for the club. Oh, well, no, well, exactly. No, I think it's, I think the, the, the point being made is more the fact that this is, you know, how much has, has changed in, in the relationship between Rooney and United um, in the last six months, as I say, with, you know, they're specifically in 2010 when Rooney kicked off, um, and he did it ham-fistedly, there's no two ways about it, but, you know, he, he, he saw, he went to see Ferguson then and asked why he hadn't um, gone for Ozil when he um, was moving that time, and uh, 
Ferguson was explicit um, then that you know that's that's that was none of the players' business. Uh, and obviously, six oh, months so ago, the last thing that Ferguson was doing was sitting down with Rooney, saying, you know, look, um, stop sulking. We've got some big you know, we've got some big plans. And I, look, I think I think in any sensible relationship, of course, a club sits down and explains to their player um, in any sensible relationship. But uh, I think it's more to say the point was being made was that here's a guy who's gone from sort of outcast to to a guy who you know is being encouraged to feel that he is you know as important to that club as any player ever was. There's a big difference between saying to a star player and reassuring them that you are going to spend money and make the team better and sitting down with that player and asking him what his <laughs> what views of- on the team on who we should buy. They're, they're, they're completely different things and the former is, is completely rational and normal. It's not but the revolutionary. Latter is not. To ask a player who you should bring in? Honestly? Why not? I mean, well, why would you not canvas opinion? Well, well, why, well, think, why, think it through. Think it through. Well, I don't know. This is a country that thinks that the minute you hung up, uh, you hang up your boots, you're qualified to coach in the Premier League and talk about football because you played it. But then somehow, when you're actually playing against these top players and these top defenders, you're not qualified no, you need a distance. to give no, an opinion. No, 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 you need a distance. The manager is the one that makes the cruel decisions. If, if you've yeah, got a teammate who's got the ear of some teammates have the ear of the manager and some don't. Right, that's bad, not. first of all. Well, you're Secondly, bad. what if what if the rumor gets out that actually. The manager and the player agree that a certain player should come in, and that sidelines another player who was very popular. And you get you get dressing room rifts. You you have to have a clear divide between who makes those sorts of decisions. But there's nothing wrong at all with reassuring players who you want to keep and keep on side that you are you have plans and you're going to spend money. And, but you and can't tell them what those plans are. You can't you can't say to them who do you think I, I disagree with you replacing. so much. But I've I've said my part, Julian. Um, I. I get a bit of what Alison <laughs> saying. I think Robin van Persie would be delighted this morning reading the papers, knowing that now he earns none less than when Rooney, but also he's not involved in transfer business. <laughs> but when Rooney is, uh, and <laughs> when Rooney would probably be captain as well and not Robin van Persie. And, and uh, I'm sure Robin would be delighted with that. I mean, we've, I've, I've, I think a lot of big clubs do ask their, their big players, their captain, what they think about certain players. It's definitely the case, for example, at PSG now, where, where Ibrahimovic and Thiago Silva are asked by the owner and the chairman what they think of this player or that player what about bringing him in so I think it's, this is something normal at least on the continent maybe not as much in England but and I think big clubs should should do it should you know should have that kind of conversation and discussions with key players in the in the dressing room I think you'll find Patrick Percy, didn't he? he marched into Arsene Wenger's office with a list of players didn't he yeah well yeah, yeah he had a that was a bit too much maybe but just like listen why, why about those but um I, I, yeah, I, think, I don't. I don't see any issue in that. Dicko, just just to, to to wrap this up, we now there's suggestions. Uh, the figure we see quoted in the papers is that there's a, they have 150 million pounds to spend. I'm assuming that that is a net spend. Does that match your information? A and B. Does that uh, does that include the the 37 million spent on Mata? Well, they're talking about you know um, four or five sort of first team ready guys. So in terms of exactly how that that budget's going to play out, I, I don't think any of us can guess the moment because, again, I think a lot of it will to be to do with opportunity. I mean, the fact is that we know for a, we know that you know two days, you know three days before the window closed in August, Manchester United were ringing up Spurs saying, you know, has Bale definitely gone? 
Um, don't say you know, these things. We like David Moyes. You can't say these things. If they were, you know, uh, well, it wasn't Moyes making the calls, yeah, but, more. you know, they were saying, look, if, if Madrid are going to pay 85, we'll pay 105. I, I mean, don't want to believe was, that. I really don't want to believe that. I'm afraid. You're uh, hurting uh, me inside. I didn't, I didn't want to believe it, but um, someone, uh, someone went into um, a, a worrying amount of detail on exactly what happened in those conversations, and it's... So the fact is, United were willing to break the uh, world, the world transfer fee for um, for Bale. So that the fact is, they've got money and they've got uh, a sense. I think that they do not going back to that Moyes issue. They don't they don't want him to sink, and they almost feel like they can't afford for him to sink. And they will spend what they feel is the money um, to, to to sort of stabilise everything. And um, that that is going to be. Probably um, 150 million quid, isn't it? And uh, when, even when you say net spend, I have to say I'm not sure what they're going to get in for anyone they're trying to offload. So well, I they, think they could just sell everybody to Steve Bruce, right? I think I think I think they're going to be uh, the Glazers are going to have to um, fund this one. Yeah, but what's going to happen to all those players who are not good enough? Clearly, well, some of them are out of well, contract. Well, but also, all those young squad. players. Yeah. yeah, I mean, all right. Leaving aside the people like Nani, who for some reason, and I'm sure they didn't tell you because there is no reason, was given uh, that enormous <laughs> contract extension in September, and then Moyes decides he doesn't like him. But all, all this, all these guys, Smalling and Cleverly and and, and Kagawa and, um, and and Phil Jones. Jones yeah. These aren't well, I think they bad see, players. Yeah. I mean, there's players who can develop, right? Yeah, but you go, yeah, but you go through all those. There's so, I mean, Phil Jones. They still see long term as a first team centre half. Um, Smalling um, certainly is. They see as a first team defender. I mean, they, they need to see improvement in both of those and consistency in both of those. But so they, th- they see them both be a first team. So they're Kagawa, safe, yeah. Kagawa, they can. They think they can get money money back for. They're obviously matters uh, Champions League. Cup tied, isn't he? So they're going to have to. They probably end up using him on and off the rest of the season. But I wouldn't be surprised if they then try and sell him. I think cleverly, probably is squad squad level for United. He's the type of guy who probably stick around a few years. And so they're not selling anybody except for they're going to try to sell no, no, Kagawa. You used to mention Nani. I mean, well, who's that's going to buy Nani with that monster <laughs> deal they signed? And if the guy never plays, what are you going to get for him? <laughs> Well, they're going to have to. Um, it's like selling Bebe. Edward was going to have to uh, prove his, uh, his his selling genius. All right, enough of that. Time now for some quick hits. And, oh, look, Maguire, who, of course, replaced Skinner after he went into rehab, asked me to remind you all that the answers must be kept to 25 seconds. Otherwise, I'll start making loud, obnoxious noises and shout over you. Everton pummels something called Stevenage to advance to the fifth round of the FA Cup, but Brian Oviedo suffers a nasty leg break. Allison, you've been in this business a while. Can you give us an uplifting story of someone you've interviewed returning from a long injury? It's quite hard to think of people who haven't been injured I mean that it sort of goes with it and makes you a better sports person for it I would say to Brian Oviedo first of all you're 23 uh, you you will recover probably not for the World Cup but don't worry there's still a lot of your career left Uh, I would say if you want to read pieces by me read the piece that I wrote about Shelley Woods who fell out of a tree when she was aged 11 and broke her back and now she competes in a wheelchair in the marathon or Fabrice Muamba, who was technically dead and came back. I mean, it can be worse. That's what I'd say. Chelsea versus Manchester City and Arsenal versus Liverpool are two of the plum ties in the next round. Dicko, is this good for the FA Cup, or would it be better for the competition if the big boys clashed later on? Uh, well, it's not a question of if it's better. I mean, it is what it is. It's called a draw. It's happening. Uh, these are great games. Let's get on with those and enjoy them and worry about the rest later. Uh, I mean, the fact is, the, 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 the FA Cup's biggest problem, 
problem is the middling clubs who, who don't care less. As long as the big clubs still try and win it, which they do, there's always normally a big club in the final, then uh, the old thing will be fine. Arsenal win against Coventry and at one point play no fewer than five Germans. Julian, would you rather discuss the implications of the one-time French team turning Teutonic or you can comment on Gary Jacobs' report that Johan Gourcuff could be in Arsene Wenger's crosshairs. Well, we've shared the Alsace with the Germans for a long time, so we can share a bit of the Arsenal. It's no problem. And Wenger is, of course, German. Uh, of, yeah, half German, half French, we would say. And I would love Johan Gourcuff to come to Arsenal. Unfortunately, I don't think that would ever happen. Well, what's this? Thing? Sorry, Draxler, Gorkov. I thought they have. Don't they have enough sort of like a feet attacking? <laughs> no, but it's a new formation. You play in. Uh, but the four, two, ten, two, one, two, seven, one. Right. <laughs> two, two, seven uh, attacking midfielder and one up front. Osvaldo, or the Wizard of Oz, as some of us like to call him, got himself suspended by Southampton for beating up a teammate in training. Allison, is this just a case of boys will be boys and news leaking out and this kind of stuff happens all the time? And uh, if. Um, Katerina rang you up and says, hey, Big Nick is gone. I need you to advise me on this. How would you handle it? I think Osvaldo's on his way out. To be honest, he's never really fitted in anyway. He scored one wonder goal and otherwise has been a disappointment considering he's the record club signing. There are enough clubs out there desperate for a striker. I think they will be able to offload him. And the feeling, I was there on Saturday, and the feeling is, and players were actually saying this in a way. They were saying, if, if there's someone who's not buying into our excellent camaraderie that we have here, then he's not welcome. Now, there we were thinking that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer only signs guys represented by his mate Jim Solbakken. And presto, he tricks us with a triple swoop for three guys, none of whom have anything to do with Jim Solbakken. Uh, Kenwin Jones, Wilfred Zaha on loan, and Fabio uh, all three uh, are either doing their medicals or have done their medicals. Dicko, which of these three is going to help out most? Uh, I don't know if it's going to help the most, but I'm most intrigued to see, um, obviously, how Zahar gets on, um, as you say, on loan. Um, here's another young English player who's sort of almost feels like his career's got ahead of himself. He, well, he's certainly got ahead of him, his own career in terms of um, show it confidence. Um, he's already a rich man. He's got more cars than he's probably made Man United appearances. And now we just basically need to see him play a settled run in the top league and um, prove that uh, yeah, prove that there's something there, basically. He's had a frustrating time, but I, I, I'll be fascinated to see whether he has got the um, attitude necessary. Newcastle reportedly turned down a £14 million bid uh, from Paris Saint-Germain for Johan Kabay. The tune apparently want £25 million. Julian, are they going to get it from PSG? And are PSG can actually bid again because there's some dispute about that. Well, I, th I think Mike Ashley is hoping for another Andy Carroll sort of deal, which you know he's not going to get because PSG are not Liverpool. I mean, at least the Liverpool of the time, and they don't think that uh, Johan Kabay is worth that much. To be fair, so they might not come back at all for him, uh, and just don't 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 uh, make another offer. Gab, question for you. Um, I'm still waiting for anyone to approach me with money for my children's, but maybe you could explain. <laughs> Neymar to Barcelona, what, what's going on? What was well, going on with that deal? Okay, so th this is a case of a guy who had greatness written all over him uh, uh, from the age of sort of 17. And so um, there was a whole bunch of people who went and, uh, and, and took shares in the players as, as third-party owners. Those shares were then traded. Some of them were bought back by his dad. Eventually, when he signed for Barcelona, he moved for 57 million euros. Uh, 40 million of that went to his dad, who kept some of it um, uh, because he owned a share in his own son. And some of it he paid out to other people who owned shares in his son. 
$17 million went to Santosh. Uh, this then became a whole issue because in reality, there was a whole bunch of other uh, auxiliary fees linked into this, including the fact that um, Neymar's dad is getting uh, 2 million euros a year to uh, scout for the next five years, that he's getting 4 million as Neymar's uh, uh, commercial agent, uh, that Santos have entered a collaboration whereby they get 7.9 million euros over five years from Barcelona. It's not really clear to do what. Basically, the, the whole cost of the operation looks to be something like 86 million euros, which is uh, around about 77, 78 million pounds. What does appear certain is this is one of the top three transfers of all time. That is all we have time for today. Thank you to my guests, Alison Rudd, Julian Lawrence, and Matt Dickinson. Uh, it was a pleasure to have them all on board, and you can show your love to them on Twitter. They like it very much, and they respond to each and every one of you individually. A quick reminder that we're going to be back on the road again. That's right, February 6th, Manchester at the Football Museum. Dicko, you ever been to the Football Museum? I uh, went to it in his Preston, guys, and a uh, very enjoyable time I had to, and I keep telling myself I've got to go to it. Now it's in Manchester, and maybe this is my big chance. It would be fantastic if you could join us. Uh, tickets cost £5 for Times Plus members, £7.50 for uh, non-members to book. You can visit www.ctickets.com slash the times or better yet call 0871-620-4025 hopefully uh, we'll be able to see you all in Manchester uh, on the 6th of February at the Football Museum Uh, in any case if you can't make it or even if you can't don't worry we're all going to be back next week bye bye your subscription to the Times and the Sunday Times now comes with access to every Barclays Premier League goal Refresh your app, choose your team, accept notification, and you're away.